0: Welcome to the Make Dementia Your Bitch Podcast. I'm Dr. Rita Jablonski. I am a nurse practitioner and researcher with over 30 years of experience working with people who have dementia and working with their family and formal caregivers. I am an expert in dementia behaviors, why behaviors happen, what the behaviors mean, and how to best handle them. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and are no substitute for medical advice or care. If you are a caregiver for someone with dementia and need help understanding and dealing with these behaviors, please contact me at my website, makedementiayourbitch.com. Hello and welcome to episode eight, entering their reality as promised. So a little bit of background. In 1999, two social workers by the names of Beach and Kramer coined the term therapeutic fibbing in a publication. They described therapeutic fibbing as a quick way to counter repetitive behavior or perseverative behavior that was distressing to the person with dementia or the caregiver. Actually, it was usually more distressing to the caregiver. Beach and Kramer did their work in long-term care, and they watched how certain nursing assistants were able to redirect behavior. And what therapeutic fibbing is, is giving a response to a behavior that makes sense to the person living with dementia, but it's probably a lie. And I admit, I used both the term and the technique in my own practice and research till about, I'd say, six or seven years ago. While completing my first research study in a nursing home in the early 2000s, I daily encountered a sad lady who would stand at the nurse's station in tears asking where her husband was. Her family kept trying to present reality and orienting her, which was a technique I learned in nursing school in the 80s, and it doesn't work, it just um, makes things worse. But her family tried to present reality by taking a photograph of the woman standing next to her husband's tombstone. And every time this lady would ask where her husband Harry was... The family would present the picture to her and say, You know, daddy died in 1974, and here you are standing next to the gravestone. Because of this woman's dementia, she was moving backwards in time. I mean, she was in World War II time. And she suffered his death multiple times on a daily basis because of what the family was doing, and they meant well. So, no, that did not work. One of the nurses, though, had a brain spark. She knew that the woman's deceased spouse had been a World War II naval officer. So this nurse, who was very creative, smiled and said to the lady, your husband has been deployed. Please sit in the dining room over here and wait with the other wives. The lady brightened and walked over to the dining room. Now, about 30 minutes later, she would come back looking for her husband, where's Harry? I don't know where he is. And she would get visibly upset. And the nurse would say, oh, he's been deployed. Please sit over there with the other wives. And this would cycle over and over and over again. It worked the first time, and it seemed like a really kind and gentle way to redirect this woman's behavior. So all of us at the facility started using that stock response for the distressed lady. And I saw people using that deployment response multiple times a day, and everything was fine. So I thought, hey, hey this is pretty cool. So 15 years later, I'm working in my clinic. I, I have more research studies that I'm doing, and I'm still a fan of therapeutic fibbing. I actually would write that in the chart as a strategy, and the other neurologist would read my notes and laugh like therapeutic fibbing. And then I had some interesting experiences what I'll get into in a second. I started reading up on Dr. Naomi Fale's work. She has this whole validation approach where her theory is behaviors are really a form of communication. And I subscribe to that philosophy myself. And hey, guess who just showed up in the podcast studio? My pandemic puppy Amira and her squeaky ball. That's right. Thank you, Amira. How about you go play and do something? (laughs) We only have one squeaky ball that works, and she's finding it. She usually does this in Facebook Live, so uh, come to my Make Dementia Your B Facebook pages, and you can see pictures of the pandemic puppy who's now a year old, and she is absolutely the love of my life. She is awesome. So we were talking about Naomi Fail and her validation approach, Dr. Fail argues that lying to people with dementia deprives you and deprives them from getting to the underlying cause for the repeated questions. At the same time, I was reading up on Dr. Fail's validation therapy, I had my own personal experience why therapeutic fibbing can suck. Once again, I was working in several nursing homes as part of a large research study when I was teaching at Penn State. I was helping one of the residents living in the special care unit brush her teeth. She was asking about her mother. Automatically, I responded that her mother would be back later because she was at the store. The resident suddenly stopped brushing her teeth and abruptly said, my mother died years ago. She then fixed me with a hateful stare. I mean, if looks could kill, I would have been on The Walking Dead as an extra, as an extra corpse. The next day, I hoped that I would be operating from a clean slate, because most of the time when you're working with people with dementia and they you do something stupid and they forget, it's like, reset, I get a second chance. Well, not exactly. Everything started out smoothly when I was working with her, but then she became very resistant towards my attempts to do mouth care. I excused myself, left the room, had another pro- person approach her, no problems. And I thought, huh, there is a podcast that I, I mentioned a little bit about the shrinking box and different approaches to the behaviors. I do talk about caregiver vibes and I'm going to mention it here as well. I know that people's voices and vital signs can change when they are being deceitful. That's why we have the lie detector instruments. I also know that our vibes, our energies can be positive, negative, uplifting, or depressing. I started to ask myself, did the energy I give off, did my vibes change when I engaged in therapeutic fibbing? And I am kind of wondering about that. I also wonder if we need to be careful about therapeutic fibbing because no one really knows which neurons will suddenly start to fire, the ones that have been sort of dormant or offline, one, maybe that neuron's getting one last hurrah before it dies, and so I did not know which memory would become accessible, which happened in the situation I described a few seconds ago. I've had people with dementia not recognize their spouse one moment, then suddenly make the connection a few moments later. Perhaps it's because of a side road neural network. The way I talk about accessing memories in the blog where I talk about the shrinking box and and accessing other memories. And not just the blog, also the podcast. I suspect that I may make things worse if I'm caught in a lie because a certain memory happens to surface right as the wrong words spill out of my mouth. Okay, well, back to Dr. Fail. She asserts that therapeutic fibbing may rob us of the chance to explore the emotions and unmet needs Underlying the request to go home or to find my mom. Think about it. No matter how old I become or how frail my mother becomes, my mother in my mind is linked to feelings of safety, of being loved, of being cared for. Every time something shitty happens, who do I call? Mom. Every time something awesome happens, who do I call? Mom. It would make sense then that if I were to have dementia and become very forgetful, I would be looking for and asking for my mother because she represents, in my reality, in my world, an anchor of safety and of love. Let's talk about now entering their reality. When I work with family caregivers and with people who have dementia, I do use some of Dr. Fail's strategies, which my team and I call entering their reality. This strategy has two sides to it. On one side, when someone is asking to go home or looking for a long-lost relative, we may reminisce. What do you like most about your father? What favorite food did your grandmother make? If we are faced with care refusals, such as, I just brushed my teeth, when it is very obvious that the teeth have not been brushed for some time, we can enter their reality and produce a reason that makes sense in their world. When you think about it, we enter everyone's reality all of the time. It is a way to provide feedback that is helpful, affirming, and kind. Here's an example. My son is getting married July of 2022. I'm now looking for mother of the groom dresses. I take Sarah with me and we're trying on different dresses for this very important event. And my daughter is helping me. I happen to be a size 12 at the moment. I pick up two size 12s. I try on the first one and think, oh, shit. Ugh. So I ask my daughter, does this dress make me look fat? The obvious answer is, hell yeah, but she is a kind soul. Her response is, I don't think the dress matches your shape. It does not flatter you. Try the other one on. And so I do. The second one looks a lot better. I received help selecting a nice mother of the groom dress, and Sarah kept the mood good by thoughtful feedback, and everyone feels great. Sarah didn't lie. She presented me with the version of reality that made sense to me. Maybe the cut was significantly different. Maybe the dresses were mislabeled, and the first one really was a size 10, while the second one is really a size 14. Again, it doesn't matter. So many times we get bogged down by silly-ass details, especially as caregivers. Nearly every week in clinic or in my coaching sessions, I get pushback from at least one caregiver. Why do I have to keep changing how I communicate, you know, with all this entering their real- reality stuff? And my response is, because you can, the person with dementia cannot You can be right or you can be happy. I tell my son that all the time. Don't argue with your future wife. You can be right or you can be happy. Do you want to get laid? If so, you need to toe the line. Anyway, it is ultimately your choice of how you handle and approach this behavior. Now, you may be thinking, great, Rita, you explained entering their reality. That is lovely. How do I do it? you know your loved one so well that you think about what was your loved one's personality before the dementia showed up and may have changed a few things what are their value systems what cohort did they grow up what what was their experience growing up did they grow up in the 50s the 60s the 70s and from there by knowing the person extremely well, you can create a reason for doing something that matches their values and their personality and you can develop your own scripts for entering their reality. I hope you found this podcast helpful. If you are a caregiver or care partner and are struggling with behaviors and are interested in working with me personally, please visit my site Make dementia Your You can also find me on Facebook, Make Dementia Your B, or you can email me at make dementia Your Bee at gmail.com. Together, let's make Dementia our bitch.